Hello, I'm Anna Elliott and this is Blendle Handpicked. If you give me five minutes of your time, I'll give you three stories that stood out above all the rest this week. My first pick for you today is a piece from Jeffrey O'Brien in Fortune magazine about how psychedelic drugs could revolutionise mental health. So, you may have heard about recent clinical tests on certain psychedelics that have shown they can be very effective in alleviating depression and anxiety. With those conditions on the rise, there's a certain amount of hype around the subject, and that means there's money to be made. What O'Brien does so brilliantly here is take all that to the next level. He takes us on a journey through the emerging industry, interviewing key players and financiers, which results in the clearest view I've read so far on where the industry stands right now. But this is not a dry, straightforward, businessy article. O'Brien's writing style is irreverent and amusing, which makes this story a delight to read, taking twists and turns as it goes along. His commitment to researching this piece led him to go on several psychedelic trips of his own, which he describes in fascinating detail. If you want to know precisely what it's like to take magic mushrooms, but are unlikely to take the plunge yourself, you'll be more than satisfied with O'Brien's description, which includes the sentence, I died at least a dozen times. The other thing O'Brien does so well here is balance the hype with the potential pitfalls of using hard drugs to treat prevalent conditions. Through his interviews, he notes the palpable anxiety that the movement is one bad trip away from disaster, a headline-grabbing overdose, perhaps. It's a tension that runs through the 31-minute piece without fully tipping either way. I'd highly recommend sitting down with the story when you have half an hour to spare. It's from the most recent issue of Fortune, and the link is in the show notes. My second pick today is from The Economist, and it's about how the next recession will be different from the last one. The economy has changed a lot since 2008. The way we buy products, entertain ourselves, move around and borrow money have been revolutionised, and that means the impact of the next downturn will be different too. And it's important that we're prepared for that, because a recession is coming sooner or later. The great thing about this piece is that it explains really clearly some of the main ways the economy has changed and what they could mean for the upcoming recession. But it isn't prescriptive. There are no guarantees here. But it could pay to be aware of the possibilities. The most obvious change to the makeup of the global economy is the rise of the tech giants. Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Facebook and Microsoft have disrupted older incumbents and ushered in a wave of digitization. They've also become America's largest investors, putting $189 billion into the economy last year. So knowing how they will fare in the next downturn is kind of important. Even with their buckets of cash, these companies could still see some serious changes to their balance sheets, which could have knock-on effects. There's also an interesting discussion here on which of the smaller tech companies will suffer the worst. Some have business models that could insulate them, while others, companies that offer micro-luxuries such as food deliveries and exercise subscriptions, are likely to feel the pinch as consumers spend less money. But it's not all about tech, of course. There's so much more detail in here on how companies are structured these days and how they handle their finances. For an excellent rundown of the likely new winners and losers, check out the full eight-minute story in Friday's Economist. Finally today, I've got a story from Jonah Berger in the Wall Street Journal about how you can change anybody else's mind. Now, this is a pretty universal topic. 
Whether it's convincing your boss to get on board with your new project or convincing your kid to eat more vegetables, we all come across instances in our daily lives where changing somebody else's opinion is in our best interests. But Berger says most of us are going about it in the wrong way. We push too hard, adding more reasons why someone should agree with us, or just circling back to the reasons we've already given. And when faced with such force, people's natural instinct is often to resist. According to Berger's own research, compiled over 20 years of studying the science of change, there is a better way. Rather than exerting more effort pushing someone towards a conclusion, we should focus on removing barriers standing in their way the hidden obstacles preventing them from already having changed their mind. If that sounds hard, don't worry. Berger lays out five recurring barriers that keep people stuck in their ways and the strategies you can employ to break them down. The first is to reduce what psychologists call reactance. People like to feel in control, and when you tell someone to do something, you take away their agency and make them feel disempowered. As a result, they can push back. A better strategy is to offer two options. Now their focus is on choosing between the two rather than picking holes in your one solution. For more strategies and to learn about the other four main types of barriers, you'll have to read the full eight-minute piece in Saturday's Wall Street Journal. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Thanks for joining me for this week's top stories. Check out the show notes for the links to the articles. And if you want to read more, you can go to blendle.com and subscribe to the Daily Digest newsletter, which we send out at 8am Eastern. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts on the show, you can email me at editorial at and you can follow us on Twitter at Blendle. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Oh.